Mike. Camera. Action. Nice to see you, rat. Been wanting to do this ever since the day you opened your big fucking mouth. Well, we heard what Docheski did to you. I mean, I had to laugh. I mean, we felt bad for Annie and all, but them's the bricks. She knew who she was with. Where I come up from this street, you all back? We couldn't believe our fucking ears. I mean, why would you come back? Why wouldn't you disappear somewhere far away? Huh? Like the moon. I missed home. You were one of us, Luke. We were a team. We were family. Then you threw us under the bus. We were kings, you son of a bitch! <laughs> now, we're a bunch of goddamn serfs! <laughs> oh, hey, 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 easy, Benoit, huh? When you come back, I figure you want to die. You know, we got a pool going on when you're going to end it and how, you know. Bus, train. I got my money on suicide by cop. Come on, take it. Take a shot. Come on. Annie's waiting for you. Question is, do you really think she wants to see you again? Hmm? Actually, my real talent. It's costing other people money. You ought to know that, Lasky. You're gonna lose that bet. Unless you wanna shoot me in the back. Wouldn't be your first time. Welcome back to Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film from an actor's complete back catalogue, from past debut through to present day, in chronological order. Each episode, I'm joined by an esteemed guest to watch and discuss the next entry from the Focus Filmography, and consider how it ranks amidst their career, and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical ticks. For episode 28, I'm joined once again by the 20th century geek Scott Weatherly to discuss the 28th big screen appearance of the Stath in the propulsive actioner safe we watch safe. you listen <laughs> yeah stay thin safe <laughs> and hopefully you are watching along too uh scott thank you for coming back on this is obviously a swift reappearance which is great news mm. you've always got a lot of interesting insights into films and I often we've spoken about before i like how you can fix those little problems but yeah, i would no, say this was, I was yeah well i think no, go on. You go. On. It's your show. You go first. <laughs> no, but you're the guest, so that's why I want you know. I want to hear from you. I was just going to say. I mean, you know, we discussed this slightly just before we started. I think this is a underrated, F, F, uh, an underrated entry from the safe. Wow. Now I'm doing it. An underrated entry from the safe is safe. Christ. Yeah, it we'll is a eventually. <laughs> yeah, it is. I agree with that. This um, was this was this called? Is this one of the ones that's called Redemption elsewhere? Or is that another one? That's hummingbird. Well, that's hummingbird. Okay, because this mm. could be called redemption, it and could. it would fit perfectly well. Um, yeah, no, this has a uh, real sort of like late eighties, nineties feel mm. to it. Like um, watching this, I was like, okay, in my head, I was like, yeah, the Stath is like the current. You know, this was what is this? This is uh, 
2012. Yeah, 2012. So, okay, mm. that's like peak sort of the time for that. But if you took this back, like, you know, 20 years, could this be Stallone or Schwarzenegger mm. or Van Damme or like any of those? And I was like, yeah, you know, this this really works in that sort of like action chunk that would be mm. like, you know, it's um, it just works really well. But they've tailored it for the state in, 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 in many ways. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this, like surprisingly so, actually. Mm. I think it's interesting because when we did Blitz, we sort of said sometimes they when you tailor a movie to an actor that can steer it in the wrong direction. Action, you know, we like mm. Blitz, we like the state, but something about that didn't quite connect. Maybe he wasn't older and we were saying we'd like him almost now to be in it again. But here, the tailoring for the state, I think, has really has really worked, other than the oh, fact yeah. that they've made him American. But um <laughs> Yeah, I, I wrote in my notes that this is like a, a 70s protagonist character in an 80s movie plot with a 90s aesthetic. It really feels like it hits so many That's different That's perfect. Plots. That is perfect describes it. Yeah, yeah. I've also noticed what I say. You say about this is obviously, you know, the state doing his thing and you say they've made him American. He is mm. very much in that Sean Connery mold though, isn't he? That like no matter what he's doing, he, he mostly sounds exactly the same. 100%. And it's gone away for a while. I can't remember the last time he did his faux American accent, but yeah, he's I been think it's because he it made again, enough. Yeah. Well, he's a bit like you know, you become unless you like, you know, like Schwarzenegger had no chance. It was just like he was all <laughs> like the the script had to make justification as to why he had that terrible accent. Yeah, terrible accent, and Van Damme strong as well, accent. of course. Exactly, they had to sort of make up justifications for it in the script, or. Like you say, you're one of the others and you had to sort of like try and put on an American accent. But I think with Jason Statham, he's come to that point now where he's like, no, I'm well known enough. Everyone knows I'm British. I'm just doing my voice and yeah. be done with it. Um, but I, I love that considering, you're saying... like, I was, Sorry. No, go. Usually I'm not so, not so bad at talking over, but I think considering where we ultimately get to with his backstory, there was an easy right around here for him just to have yeah. a British accent. Cause, and it almost might have made it more interesting because the we won't get into it quite yet, but like the initial thoughts of who he is, he could be English. The second thoughts of who he is, you'd be like, oh, why has he got that accent then? That doesn't make sense. But then when you carry on and you get like mm. the third definition of who he is, then you could, it could make sense again. So I don't know. It almost might be more interesting for him to have had this English accent. I think so. I mean, you say this plot or his backstory is like an <laughs> onion that is peeled layer by layer as we go through in the weirdest way. But um yeah, I also before we sort of start, I mean this this you know, this film does quite well. I mean Catherine uh, Chan, who plays May, mm. my you know, I'm not, you know, child actors can go, you know, either way, but she's very good in this. I'm gonna sort of call mm. her out. She's like, you know she's not pushed to do anything overly taxing, I don't think, but it rightfully so. I think she works and she's very good. But as I say, this is actually a pretty solid cast as well, not not just mm. in Statham. Like, you know, you've got um, I was like, people keep popping up, and I'm like, oh, like, you know, um, <laughs> my boy James James Hong, um, you know, oh, yeah, bro, no pan. So you know, and I love him and everything's in. Anton Mount pops up like later on. I know, as as a fan of Strange New Worlds, as the new Star Trek, I was like, oh, oh, Captain Pike. Yeah, I was like, I was like, my God, he looks young. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other few that sort of I like is uh, uh, Reggie Lee, who plays uh, Quan Chang, another actor that like you know, whenever he pops up, I. I um, a fan of, and then uh, yeah, Chris Sarandon as well. So you're just sort of like, mm. oh, this is just sort of loaded with people. I'm like, I like just like people in this. So it's, it's um, yeah, it just it just kept me smiling this as well on sort of mm. many levels. 
despite being a rewatch, but it's been quite a long time since I've seen it. Chris Sarandon, I kept, I was watching it and just been like, I know who that is. Who is that? I know. <laughs> but he's so different to his most famous role. Well, I don't know if it's, but what I think of Chris Sarandon of from Princess Bride, he's so different to that, that um, it took me a while to place that. I was like, who is that? I know who that is. Yeah, no, I think um, Bright Fest and uh, obviously like Princess Bride is very different in the 80s. Stuff like, yeah. Yeah. He is, he's great. Um, let's, I want to get to the plot of this because it is... Mm, please. I, 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 I'd love I, for you to explain it. It took me a while. Like There's several <laughs> scenes I had to rewind. I was like, I think I've got this. Mm-hmm. But his backstory is and motivations are odd, to say the mm-hmm. least. So Jason Statham playing Luke Wright um, is we meet him first, sort of, on the street. Mm-hmm. He's homeless. Um, and then it goes, we go back and we find out he was a cage fighter. And he kills someone in the, you know, in the cage. And because of that, he was supposed to take a dart. He didn't kill someone, but I think he's put someone he's into in a coma. coma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was supposed to take a dive in the second round or something. And obviously, mm-hmm. Wasn't able to. So then the Russian mob come round, kill his pregnant wife, and then say to him, "You've got to leave, and anyone you get close to is going to be killed. So you've got to leave." Which sounds like an awful lot of work on that on the part of the mob, <laughs> but fine. So you're following that, and then later on, so you know he's doing that, and then I'm, I just want to go through like his backstory because I want to understand mm. it. Then you find it later on. That he was a cop, so he was part of this mm-hmm. special unit within the New York Police Department, um, and they were there like as a strike force. Which again, as you said, that seventies sort of eighties thing of like you know special unit beyond the sort of law kind of thing, mm. and they've all been corrupted. And he turned his back on them, and was so was chucked out of the police, or left the police in sort of semi disgrace. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still kind of fuzzy on that. I that think he transition. was sort of forced out, wasn't he? Because yeah. the, the mayor is also in, in on it. Yeah. So, yeah, he was sort of forced out to become the cage fighter. But then you find mm-hmm. out even further, he was special forces or something else. <laughs> like a and black so, cop CIA or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then was brought in to the police. So you're like, okay, so he's got this like really convoluted story <laughs> to, just to explain how he's as kick ass and badass as he is. But then I'm still really confused as to why he lets the Russian mob do what they do. Mm. Like it, it, it's just you know. I mean, uh, it is it is kind of a bit beyond, but I yeah. absolutely love it. I just think it's so ridiculous that it's great because it's like a it's almost like the three acts. It's like a little Russian doll within it, isn't it? It's like oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like he's a cage fighter, and I was thinking, oh, oh yeah, okay. For once, I buy this. Like yes, the state, mm. I buy him as a cage fighter. And it's like, yeah, he's an undercover, not undercover, but he's like you said, you know, this NYC cop. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Bit tropey, and you know, I buy that much less. And then, oh, he's a specially elite black ops. Oh, okay, I buy that again. I was, I really enjoyed the journey <laughs> I went on, which I thought was yeah. great fun. But yeah, it's a credibility journey. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure, like, to your question of, like, why he lets them do it. I was, if you sort of, I guess, think of it the other way, I think he feels guilty, doesn't he, about all the dodgy stuff he's done as a yes. Black Ops agent, which is why he ultimately, like, I think he's going to rat on the unit, isn't he? Mm. So they then, like, force him out and 
he becomes like the turncoat. Mm. And then that's why he becomes like a UFC fighter and why he's willing to take dives and let people beat him up because it's all about like backwards punishment, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. For what yeah, he's yeah. done before. Being punished for, yeah, for those things or what mm. he sees as having done or not done, I think is the case as well. Like, that's the thing I think. And the point of this, you say about he was going to rat and he didn't, and he just sort of walks away. Mm. So in some cases, I think it's a fact of like, it's not what he's done, it's what he's not done. Mm. Which is why when he, him, him intervening and saving May is mm. like, this is my redemption. I'm now doing something because I didn't do these things in the past. Mm. Um, yeah, essentially, because he's obviously he's lost his own unborn child, hasn't he, as mm. well? So I really like that scene when he first meets May, and it's quite significantly into the movie. It's about mm. a good third in. It's a good half an hour. This is a very, like, classic, chunked-up 90-minute movie. It's kind of like 30 minutes, first that backstory. 30 minutes, go, 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 go. Like, last 30 minutes, like, here's the end. Yeah, I do want to throw in some of that, because it, it does mm. sort of... This is where it does get kind of... You see about chunk, and I think chunk is the right word, because the first, first, the first act of this film is so exposition heavy <laughs> it's true that it's like this the longest prologue i've ever had it's like here's <laughs> may's backstory here's luke's backstory here we've got the russian mob we've got the chinese mob we've got this we've got that and it's just sort of like everything everything is put into place and all i could think about is like this probably would work better in almost like non-chronological order mm, mm-hmm. like having flashbacks and stuff throughout the film Mm. Um, or to make that first chunk a little more easy to swallow, have the train fight at the very beginning, mm-hmm. and like, but then be like, because there's a viewer, you're like, what the, f- what is going on? Like, be thrown into it, and then be like, pull back, and be like, however, like mm. a year, one year late earlier, and then build up That's- to it. That's really interesting because I, I've only come to realise this just before we've we started talking. Two touchstones I had whilst watching it, which I'm sure were in your head as well, was Mercury Rising, the yeah, Bruce that, Willis that, yeah. movie. But John Wick as well was yes. there because it has that. And I only came to realise that Chad Stileski was the stunt coordinator mm. on, on this additional one. On director, additional director, it says. Yeah, yeah. So that, make, that makes perfect sense because, and that's how John Wick starts, doesn't it? It starts... Mm with him already injured in the car going to the vets, isn't it? In the first movie. And yeah. then actually even in the second, no, second movie kicks off with him going to get his car back, doesn't it? Mm. But the first John Wick is like the end of the movie and then we do the flashback to do the circular narrative, isn't it? Yes. So it's interesting that you say that because maybe Stileski learned a bit of a lesson here yeah. from somebody else that I will have to have some backstory. I'll have to show John Wick. I'll have to show his wife dying and but I won't start there because I want to get my audience in straight away. Yeah, exactly. You need that that like, you know, big fast paced opener for you to really sort of like, you know, get you enticed. Um mm. cuz you do have to get through quite a lot of stuff like cuz when when you're sort of following like a 10-year-old Chinese girl for like 20 minutes, 15 minutes, I'm a bit like I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a bit lost what what's going on and then Yeah. It's like in a novel, isn't it? When you've got like multiple perspectives, and yeah. you sort of, oh, I want to get back to that guy, please. I want to go back. This person's more interesting. I want to see Stace kick people. Can we? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. But once you get started, like once you mm. get beyond this, and I kind of like, you know, um, the, the, the plot structure aside, I like the motivations. Like mm-hmm. she's she's this genius. Um, and I like when she's sort of like humiliating her teacher. I thought that's kind of, that's kind of fun. <laughs> um, not intentionally, like she's just 
she's just, she even says, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like yeah, parody exactly. you, but yeah, yeah. you're she's wrong. Just, she's just smarter than him. Um <laughs> And I love the fact that obviously James Wong, who's who's you know, he's called Uncle Han throughout, then basically kidnaps her and her mm. mom, and is like, right, you work for us now. You're a human computer, and if you don't do it, I'll kill your mom. Um, and so it's kind of like the stakes are pretty mm. grim from the get go. And then she gets flown to America, and it's like as this ten year old, I'm just like, Jesus, this is tough. Um, and that's when you get sort of um, Reggie Lee coming in as her dad. You know, or Quan Chang is, is, you know, not a dad, but like her father figure um, yeah. is adopted yeah, yeah. in the states. Adopted, yeah. And you get the sort of the, all the sort of um, Chinese mafia and stuff going on. All that stuff is is interesting and is is kind of good. But you are like, okay, I want I want someone to go say get kicked in the face now. When's, mm. um, but it does it. The one thing I would say that it's good at is although you you know it, it does take a bit of time to get there. I do know. And feel for the characters, mm-hmm. so it does have some pretty good characterization actually for at least the ones that are introduced at the beginning. Yeah, definitely, and I think that that the meeting scene between them is handled really well. Like, Stace Luke Wright is at rock bottom, isn't he? He spent mm. a year living on the streets, accepting this life. The one thing that we see him do is reach out to another homeless guy to give him his trainers mm. and he wakes up the next morning and the homeless guy's had his throat slit. So yeah. even that smallest gesture, he realizes he can't even do that. And then he's going to commit suicide, isn't he? He's standing on the, the train platform and it really yeah. looks like he's, his character is committed to do it. And I really buy Jason Statham's acting in the scene. His eyes are bloodshot. He's, he's crying. Like I really, I think it's the most emotionally powerful scene. I think I've seen him do up until this, this point. No, I agree. I think one of the things as well is to sort of like you know, with Statham is he's not uh, an emotive actor. Mm. Like you know, this isn't. There's no grand, big, dramatic, arm wavy acting. Mm-hmm. Um, but you te- you can tell that he stood next to the, the, the on the platform next to the tracks, and like you say, he just um, he just giving off that energy of like giving up. Like he's mm. slumped, and like I say red-eyed and stuff, and it just feels like you're like, yeah, no, this feels like a broken man. Like mm. you know, he's ready to go. Um, so no, I agree with that. I think mean, he's he's actually good throughout this. I think you know he mm. switches things up. Um, There's like yeah. a gradual coming back to life, isn't there? Yeah, uh, and you can really f- feel it in the performance. We know he's a physical performer, but I think he the way he uses his body is. I always remember a quote from John Travolta who said like. One of the first things I do is decide how my characters walk and actually mm. get into the mindset. I think Statham is a very physical with his shoulders and his stance. And I wonder if he does something similar. And you can see him come back to life throughout this movie, I think. I think that's a yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, the fights on the subway and stuff sort of happen, you know, he yeah. gets the sort of like capability pretty damn quick. But there's a confidence that comes with the fighting as you sort of you go through the film. Mm. Um and stuff, and I, so I, I do. I agree with that to an extent, where it sort of feels like maybe, like you say, re-energized. But mm-hmm. you know, he becomes he gets given a purpose, and I think that mm-hmm. sort of means something to him. And he sort of he's able to sort of at least, again, he's not going to win any Oscars, but he emotes that enough that you're like, yeah, no, this feels important. I get why this is important to him now. Um, and so, which is in the very end scene, um, you know, it's not a tearjerker, but it feels nice when he's like, look, I'm not going to be 
your father? He's like, she's, and, and my mate says, like, can you just be my friend? Mm. Like, mm. And he's like, yep. I can do that, yeah. Do that. And that sort of feels honest and stuff. Mm. So um, I did sort of appreciate that. I thought that sort of, it felt like a, the right way to go. Like, he's not going to just become like, you can call me dad. You know, it's sort of, <laughs> that's not who they are. Um. So, yeah. But no, again, but, there is, we'll get to some of the funny things I sort of thought were a bit silly in this one. But I would say that from the moment they kick off in that train scene, mm. like the action in this is solid. It's well choreographed, well shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you said, uh, Chad, um, what's his name? Is it Stileski? I think Stileski, he's yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, you, it's clear, like you said, that link with like John Wick. Like, mm. But th- this is well choreographed. It's well um, set up. Um, and so, yeah, it, you know, it it's wonderfully over the top at times ju- and just the right amount of times. Um, but the train fight is great. Um, oh, I think it's the best fight he's done since the initial transporter. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's proper up there. You know, we talk about like, you know, the, the bus fight of nobody, which is excellent as well. And, um, what else can we, what else to be pick up? Obviously like some John, John Wick stuff as well. But I think, I think this is a really strong fight and i think what it does is it errs on the side of realistic yes like punches look like they really hurt and it only takes a few punches to get somebody down the only thing that that throughout this movie that i think is a little bit hyperbolic the amount of times he gets hit and kicked and knocked down not once does he ever bleed or bruise luke no, he is right. like a superhuman man yeah and this comes to one of the things that i was that, like I, I laughed out loud at when um, watching this film, so at the moment we'll get them. We'll get to some of the relationship. He, he faces. He's about to face off against Anton Mount's character at the end. Mm. And what's his name? The character's called. Um, oh, I forget now. But Anton Mount's character, um, Alex. There you go. Yeah, it's quite Alex like Rosa, a nondescript name. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, but he's you know, and he's from sort of like you find out he's from Luke's past, and they have a sort mm-hmm. of shared history. But as this sort of Luke appears, he's like, "Oh, Luke, you look like hell." And then it shows like Statham. I'm like. No, he just looks mm. like Jason Statham. <laughs> like, if anything, he looks like he's just kind of stepped onto set, ready to go. Like, there's no like blood. There's, he doesn't look bruised or dishevelled. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, he, he, this is someone who's supposed to have been living on the street for over a year, and he doesn't. He has stubble, but not a beard. Like, sure, yeah, and he's his body. He's been working out whilst he's been on that street. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, look, I, I'm always willing to give that. Like every action star. <laughs> um. When they sort of they're ripped and they're like, you know, I've given up on life, and you're like, really? <laughs> I'm not sure that's the case. Um, however, that that was one of the things I, I was going back to the start of this film. Like, obviously, you know, the, the Statham's face, like that's the, you know, it's the money shot. You want to know that Statham's in this. If I was gonna, the one thing I would have done with this, I would have sort of held up that mystery a little bit. I think would have been, I would have there was a, there was a film called The Stranger. Uh, mm-hmm. from the early 2000s. It's a Stone Cold Steve Austin film. And Austin moves in a very particular way. So you can always tell it's him. But at the start of the film, they have this bit where like, there's this homeless guy and he's like, got a big beard and he looks all sort of like messed up and he's sort of talking sort of kind of confused and stuff. And he gets into a fight and beats the crap out of these guys. And you find out that it's obviously Steve Austin mm-hmm. and he has to have a shave and then all of a sudden he's like, he's bald and got the goatee and all that <laughs> other shit. Um, and I was kind of thinking about that watching this going, like, I'd rather this if, if like Statham had been like an absolute mess mm-hmm. at the start of this, 
you know, big beard, hood, really messed mm. up coat, all that kind of thing. Like he really had been living on the streets for a year. And then they'd have started with that um, train fight. And then sort of, they'd, you know, they were like, who's this crazy, mm. like, mm-hmm. kung fu homeless person? Um, I'd have been like, oh, that's, yeah, that's really, mm. that, And that feels a bit more like the John Wick verse as well. But I think that would have been kind of fun. Um, that would have been cool. I agree. We all what you get said is he has a beanie and then he doesn't have a beanie. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the transition <laughs> point. The transition point in this film is he buys a suit and takes off his beanie. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But there I could think... have been like a shaving scene, you know, where he does. Where he yeah, sort of, like, I agree. You know, he shaves his face and like has a shower and sort of like gets back into action, sort of thing. Yeah, because it all takes over. Like once it hits, it's all one night, isn't it? Hmm. It's just one long. But um, because there's a couple of moments. You're right, because he takes, when he beats up all the Russian guys, and I, I really like this moment when he shoots just point blank, like no mercy, the guy in the head on the train. He beats the shit out of four or five of them, and then he realises the main, like, heavy is one of the ones which is in the room with him. Mm. Uh, one of them was killing his wife, so he just point blank shoots him, and he says something to, like, all the train passengers he had it come in and walks off, which is a yeah. cool moment. But also, like, he then pukes afterwards, doesn't he? Again, it, that sense of, I think this film strives at times for these, like, realistic moments of how people would react um but so, so that happens and he so he steals his wallet doesn't he and that's why he buys the suit and he rents a hotel room mm. and there's a moment where may says to him like he says oh i've i've had a wash but i could do with the shower she's like yeah you could you stink which would make sense he's been home yeah, for yeah. a long time but just before that yeah he's had the hotel receptionist really flirting with him like hey, and the woman that? and the woman he bought the suit off exactly yeah. yeah so presumably he still stinks at that point because it was actually earlier but just because it's jason statham they still... maybe maybe when he stinks maybe he just sweats like old spice like he just yeah. smells <laughs> <laughs> the pheromones he gives off are just that's it pure, just, yeah. just pure rugged statham is enough like <laughs> yeah i know what you mean i, I thought the same though because it's there's it would be better if there was more of a transition. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd love that in this. I think it would be good. I mean, I'm not going to take it away because I did really enjoy this film, but he never feels homeless enough, especially when they show him next to like, other homeless people. Yeah, definitely. No, I uh, agree with that. But as you said, you know, he's the, he's the moneymaker, isn't he? So they wanted that, yeah. han- that handsome mug all the way from the start. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you say about sort of uh, the, the silliness, because you're right about, I think some of the fighting, uh, there's there's a there's a weight to them, it's a tactile sort of like weightiness. There's a, a mm. thud with some of those uh, punches and kicks, which I love, and that's one of the things I like Statham because I think he really does deliver like really sort of hard hitting uh, fight scenes. Mm. But you also have him as as you say, not having bled or bruised, <laughs> falling out of a hotel window and <laughs> and using somebody else as a cushion. The last time I saw that was as a joke. In an Austin Powers movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was or, like, I was like, Jason that... Bourne. They do it in the first in the Bourne Identity, don't they? As well, but he yeah. gets off and he's like, "Oh my god, like I'm really injured from that." Yeah. yeah. In this one, Statham sort of like pops up, runs off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's the, those. It sort of swings from that mm. that sort of like you know that 70s style. I think that there there are moments where you do have. Um, and I've read that the director said he wanted to achieve that, but I would definitely feel that he's tuning into that 70s aesthetic at times. Um, and then all of a sudden it swings right back to like 90s action. And you're like, oh, that's fine. You know, I'll, I'll let that slide. Mm. Um, but yeah, but uh, there are scenes repeatedly in this that I, I enjoy. Um, and one of the things is, because I recently watched all through 
the John Wick series. Um, obviously, you know, with Force, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch all mm-hmm. of them. And one of the things that sort of like that is that that's an action fantasy film. Like that does not film does not exist in the real world, right? No. For obvious reasons. I mean, I'm not just talking about like just the continental and stuff, but the fact that like for everything that happens in there, there's only one policeman in that film <laughs> in, in the in the entire like four films. Um, like the police never turn up at any of these sort of shootouts and fights. Um, at least like the police get involved in this film, and it's mm-hmm. obviously a big part of it. And um, you then get the corrupt police, mm. which again feels like a very sort of eighties thing. Mm-hmm. That you know that sort of feels a hangover from the eighties, which again I love. I love it as a trope. Um, you know everything from I think it's like the second Dirty Harry film had it and you know it sort of feels similar to like lethal weapon and those kinds of films all have all had those things in there so um i like that that there's that element that you know obviously it pulls starts to pull those strings together mm. um it, it's i think the thing is this one what is this film like 90 minutes yeah must be pretty dead on i think yeah yeah it's so dense at times um that like when, so when they learn when you learn that it's that Luke because you don't even learn his his name at first until about no. <laughs> till about till about halfway through and someone identifies him and says it was Luke Wright and I'm going like they, and they say it like it's meant to mean something yeah it's one of the crap cops isn't it yeah and mm-hmm. he's like it, it wasn't just a homeless guy it was Luke Wright and I'm going cool What's, <laughs> what what does that mean <laughs> um. And so yeah, there's those sort of things, but it's but it's so dense. We sort of it keeps adding characters, mm-hmm. and I love that it's trying to have a complex plot and it's trying to be intricate. You know, with all these different sort of elements, but because it's so dense, but like, you know, when, so it's um his his plan at the end. So you know, to get to the plot. So the key to this is May is this human computer. She can memorize massive long numbers and data and information sort of very, very quickly, very, very accurately. And she's been sent on this one minute. So on this one day, she's going to be sent to two locations. She's given this this number grid and she's remembered it. And then she's going to go to this other person, recite the number. And then this other person is then going to give her another number. And then she will then bring it back and, and they will, she'll then recite it back to uncle Han. And they're like, okay, well, what is this? What is it that's, um, What's it all about? Because they obviously get stopped then by the Russians, and she they want this girl because they want this number, and mm. everyone's obsessed with this number. And then, uh, like Luke finds out, you know, what well, he figures out that it's a safe in, in about ten seconds. In about ten <laughs> seconds, yeah, I love the way he he sort of figures that out as well. Like, it's, it's, oh, it's old school because I'm old school and it's old school. I know what's going it's, on here. No, it's it's verging on Batman sixty six <laughs> is what it is. Um, but he's, he, yeah, he manages to figure it out. Like the code, it must be like. He's able to figure it out, like you know, but everyone else is like it's just a grid of numbers. It means nothing, um, but it is. It's a combination to a safe, and then she was going to get this other combination, and basically, she was going to deliver the combination that was going to allow people to have someone to have thirty million dollars, and in in like sale of a drive that was going to give all this information about everybody in New York, basically all the people who are corrupt that you can pay off and all the yeah. yeah. All the- all the other sort of like back channels for money and and everybody else is involved in stuff. So basically it was sort of like a, a group of like a whole swath of information. That's what's up for sale. And that's sort of like the, the crux of all this. Um, so it's sort of, so when you get to Jason Statham's or Luke Wright's plan at the end of this film, 
Because you've gone like back and forth. Everybody's involved. The Russians, the Chinese, the police. And he's in May, that. and then she gets taken again, and he has to get her back. Yeah. yeah. So the way he wants to get her back, though, is basically sort of like to hold all the cards. Mm-hmm. So he then calls on his old sort of police buddy slash enemies, his frenemies from the police, <laughs> to raid a Chinese gambling house where the safe is. <laughs> to get to the safe, to get the 30 million, to then... Go, to, I, can't, I can't remember how he knows he figures it out, but then he finds out that the mayor's involved. Mm-hmm. He then goes to the mayor's mansion and basically beats on Chris Sarandon, who's playing the mayor, to get the disc with all the information on, the memory stick or whatever, and then holds that, all the cards. And then basically, yeah. I've got everything, give me May back. That's not where, because that's, he says to the mayor, like, I know you were involved. And the mayor's like, well, how do you? And yeah. he says, because that's not where the money is going to go to initially is mm. he says, I oh, know you'll have a second disc. There's no way you'd give this information away yeah. and not keep a copy. So he actually gets like the copy, doesn't he? He doesn't go to the other no. secondary location as such. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You never find out where it is. He just gets, yeah, he gets the, the possibly the original and the, the copies, yeah. fair, but there's a version of it. Yeah. And then he lets everybody know. Um, and then decides to, to sort of like to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and starts putting people in the boot of his car. But it's so sort of like, it feels like it should be very straightforward. But it feels so complicated. Mm. No, I agree. I think the main plot, Jason Statham saves May, is obviously very straightforward. But yes. you're right. On top of his backstory, you're then heaping on all these different elements and all these different people. So you've got crap cops. You've got, the, as you said, the Chinese mob, the Russian mob. You've got a crap mayor. You've got Anson Mount's like former op who knows him, and and they've all got different agendas, and nothing's mm. quite clear. And yeah, I think it probably did it a disservice when it came out, and that people probably sort of, particularly this era of Jason Statham, where it was quite straightforward. It was to want for want of a better phrase, a safe period for him. I think this is probably but a bit, despite all the good stuff, and the action is great, and I'd love to talk a bit more depth about that that attack on the Chinese mm, oh, uh, we will, gambling we will. house. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's kind of, I think, what people wanted from him at this point. And there's character and story to this that convolutes things too much. I agree. Yeah. But you, you don't need it all. That's the bit that's no. kind of frustrating is, you know, I can imagine that sort of this, because this was written by um, Boaz Yankin, mm. as well as being directed. And it kind of feels a little bit like he's he's kind of pleased with himself that he's made mm. this convoluted mm-hmm. plot. And I'm not going to sort of put him down for it because it, 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 it holds together just mm-hmm. about. Like it, all the elements are there. Like I, I was going through. Um, but yeah, it feels incredibly convoluted. Like The other thing that feels like a bit of a touchstone is Eastern Promises. Mm. Viggo Mortensen mm. is Cronenberg movie that sort of came to my mind as well when I was watching this. I think probably because of like the the trope of the Russian mobsters and they're again a bit like John Wick, the aggressive like rebel son who yeah, does yeah. what he wants and doesn't listen to dad. But that film is pretty convoluted and complex as well in terms of people's real identities and who they are and what they're. Yeah, but that's are. a drama thriller. Though, well, it, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's the difference in it. This this wants to do that, but then have its cake and have Stacey kick that cake yeah. repeatedly and, and <laughs> yeah uh, 
So that's where the problem is. It wants to be a bit of everything all at the same time, doesn't it? Yeah. The other, the, the, you say about touch points, Mercury Rising was definitely one. That's a, that's, mm-hmm. that's a Bruce Willis film I think is underrated as well. Mm-hmm. I kind of enjoy it from. Another Bruce Willis film that came to mind watching this was 16 Blocks. Mm, yeah, we've spoken about it before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. good movie. Another film I think is underrated. Again, that sort of thing of downtrodden, you know, um, you know, looking for sort of an easy life kind of cop that gets involved in corruption and then sort mm-hmm. of um, ends up doing the right thing and, and and gets redemption and stuff. So I was like, yeah, that there's definite touch points um, for this. Um, I, I just want to touch on sort of like you say who you know you said that um, uh, Boziakin he's done mm. a number of things, but he's he's done a lot of writing. Most recently, The Harder They Fall, which I'd actually kind of shout out. So I really enjoyed that film. But his first two films, um, what I really want to point out, talking on the action genre, he did he wrote the nineteen eighty nine Punisher, the Dolph Lundgren mm-hmm. Punisher film, <laughs> and then followed it up with The Rookie, which is also a bit of a guilty pleasure for me, which is a Clint Eastwood Charlie Sheen film. Mm. So he's no, you know, he's not, um, it's not that this genre is unknown to him, and, mm-hmm. and especially being straightforward. I mean, if you watch those early films. They are very straightforward, like, and the Punisher in particular has got like this whole revenge, you know, thing, and and um, all these other bits and pieces in. So yeah, it's it's. I think he's he's piled quite a lot in on this mm. one, um, that I don't think needs to be there. But as you said before, as you were mentioning about the Chinese raid, it does sort of facilitate a variety of fights. Which yes. is the bonus side of this? All of which I think you've got the the train one we discussed. We've got the Chinese raid, haven't we? and we've got the one in the hotel. Yeah, all are really, as you said before, really well choreographed, mm. really well filmed. Mm. I don't think there's anything too choppy in this. I feel like I understand the geography of the fights. I can. See oh, there's several where. shots that are like held. Like there's several which I love. Yeah. Like, you know, not the whole fight, but they hold them for enough seconds that you're like, oh, they are doing this mm. fight. And there's a little mini one in the restaurant as well, isn't there, when he goes to see the, the Russian sun. So, yeah, I think this uh, little car chase, actually, as well, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Which reminded me, I just did To Live and Die with L.A. To Live and Die in L.A. with Dan, mm. for, with Spider-Dan, because that was another car chase where it's against the traffic. Yes. And, uh, and all of these are little, like, quite efficient yeah. and kinetic and exciting and well-directed. At times, it had, like, a, a Michael Mann-esque quality. The bullets really sound like bullets are whizzing and thumping into things. So it's a real melting pot. But perhaps, yeah, like you said, one or two elements could have done with being pulled out or or being minimized, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, there's, there's just an off. There's just I think there's maybe one too many groups of characters mm-hmm. in this. Um, because you have like the Russian mob, you have the Chinese mob, and then you have the police and they all come in at different elements. And even those, like, you know, so it's not just one or two people, like there's a whole mm. cast in each of those that come in and keep coming and going. Um, and so you've got, yeah. you got to keep track of quite a few people and their relationships to, so you've got like Emil that's the sort of the head of the Russian mob. And as you said, like his rebellious sort of like, um, you know, son who's trying to get, as he says, sort of make his bones. And then again, you've got the same sort of relationship or setup in the Chinese mob with Uncle Han and 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 um, Chang Quan, and all that. 
And then you're like, mm-hmm. okay, and then you right, I've sort of got that. I've got those two groups, and the police come in, and you've got like the <laughs> captain and this squad. And then, like you say, at the end of it, you get this Alex guy who comes in, who's a sort of like fixer for the mayor, and you're like, hang on. Sorry, like there's a fourth group now of mm. the mayor and his people, and I'm just like, oh, it's, yeah, there's just it feels like there's one. To, the mayor doesn't need to be part of this. If mm. anything, I would remove the mayor completely. Mm-hmm. Like it, the mayor is almost like irrelevant to this, and just have it as the captain in the police. Yeah, and then you can have like Alex be like, you know, he came in with mm-hmm. Luke. They were the two special forces that were sort of like joined at the same time, but like where Luke's now down on the street, like, you know, have it that Alex is, uh, he's going to have to become a sort of black ops contractor. Like, yeah. You know, he's like, running uh, things in the, in the, in the background, the captain's the face of it, but he's really the one behind he's, it. He does like the, yeah, the wet work kind of sort of the black ops of the police. He goes off and mm. does, you know, when things get, go a bit too awry. Yeah. You can make it neater. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but you want to talk about the raid. Let's talk about that Chinese raid. Cause mm-hmm. I do want to get into it. Cause it's, it's really good fun, but what were your thoughts? Well, I think it's probably the most over-the-top scene, isn't yeah. it? But not in a bad way. No. Because it's, what, four or five of them go in, don't they? And they absolutely annihilate this, like, room of, like, Chinese yeah. triads. I swear, the triads, I suppose, but, yeah, Chinese mobsters. But there's just, again, I think it's really well captured. I mm. think the way that people kind of... It feels quite surgical. It feels quite realistic that these are people who know how to do this, where they're like peeking around corners, and it's almost like a first-person shoot 'em up at times. And it, it, that computer game continues because they kind of go down a level down to the safe, mm-hmm. and then we get the double crossing. So I think there's that excessive nature of it, but I th- which really there's a, just a moment that stands out to me. There's a moment when some Chinese mobsters hide behind a table, and you sort of see the look on Stathe's Luke Wright's face, and he's like, "All right." And then he shoots loads of holes in the table, yeah. which kills them. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm, and it's just hilarious because we're so used to seeing like people holding up a, a thin a tea bit tray. Of wood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the bullets ping off and they're yeah. perfectly safe. Or like you got these soldiers in World War Two who are wearing like specially designed, as they could then, specially designed equipment, and they're getting shot and killed. But yeah, this tea tray that'll do it. Or <laughs> yeah, this 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 bit of MDF that'll be fine. So I think again, it does this really interesting thing of like combining the excess mm. with the kind of realistic, and I think it plays that line really nicely. I think I agree. I think you say about John Wick, mm. that raid scene is a mm-hmm. prototype for John mm. Wick in a number of ways, because um, there is that very precise violence throughout, which I think sort of like ju- they've sort of perfected with John Wick, you know, mm. sort of that. Um, holding the gun up and then sort of like, you know, joking around. there's all that stuff. There's a little bit of that, but as well, there's a sort of a sense of like, there's a sense of like controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. Cause there's people running, like you say, tables falling and people diving over the bars and all kinds of bits and pieces. But that police squad are just sort of like cutting through everyone. Mm. Um, and there's a scene where like one of the guys, they say he's turning corners with a shotgun and just taking out people like left and right. <laughs> and it is brutal. Like you're seeing people blown about and stuff. Um, but like you say, it's it, it felt to me like, okay, this is a this is a, a touch point for John Wick, which came what two years later, 2014, I think the first one. Probably a bit later. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah. Um and so I'll and you have yeah, and so you the point you have that like, whilst the squad is going on and they're all sort of like, you know, um, 
bulletproof vests and you know they've got a was it like a mr15s or whatever they're called and some of the you know other sort of weapons and stuff so they're all tacked up a little bit heat style and then you've got jason mm, statham's mm-hmm, l- l- like luke uh right just wearing a suit and like <laughs> he's walking around in the background uh, and like I say, you know, taking up people behind tables and stuff. And there's a coolness to this character, like a mm. this calm. He's sort of like completely at ease in this chaos and violence. Again, thinking like John Wick, um, and just taking them out throughout. And so, yeah, I thought I thought it was, it was brilliantly well done. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it felt like a like a like a must um, like a show reel that was like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know i was like okay of all the scenes that feels like a show reel of like look at what we can do in some quite cool areas and that so yeah i think that scene is perfectly set up. i agree sorry but i think that scene's perfectly set up as well you saying that coolness made me think of this we get that kind of classic hero shot that's not quite the right term but of them all in a line you know walking towards there yeah and the state is dead center looking suave as all fuck and like you said, but also looking like a nor like like he he feels like in his normal garb he is still in control when as they're all like heavy duty, as you said. So yeah, I think that perfectly sets up what we're about to then witness in the next scene. It's yeah, great. I've actually got it here. It's on. Uh, I've got my That's what you were talking about there. That's <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. They're walking across the street like a crossing thing. I say they you know several of them have got like bulletproof vests on, large guns, and they're all sort of looking. Got their um, belt, you know, the badges on the belt, and I see in the middle of it is just the state. I mean, in like a suit and trousers, like ready to go to action. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, there is just a sense of call to it, like you know, Luke Wright mm. becomes, and you see like that coming to life, like he's confronted. Mm. The other thing as well in this, he like he, he ends up confronting almost all of his past, um, mm. mm-hmm. you know shadows don't know what you want to call them sort of like the things he's done in the past because he can you know he basically takes out this police unit mm-hmm. i mean you know facing your crimes there's therapy and then there's just like killing the people <laughs> but you <laughs> yeah so yeah he it's kills one this... way to deal with it i suppose it is it's not the yeah, I mean, yeah it's true it's pretty efficient <laughs> he kills this unit and then obviously he takes on all the russians and that sort of thing um and and the and the Chinese, so he sort of manages to address, I think, you know, form that redemption. Mm. One one question though, and uh, you know, about this whole thing, when after the cage fight, and he gets home, and he finds that the sort of the mob, uh, the the Russians are there, and they've killed his wife, and they declare that, oh, she was with child, kind of thing, like she mm. was pregnant. It feels a little bit. I'm not easy offended. It was offended, but it felt like too. It was one of the, it was one of the few things in this film. I was like, that wasn't needed. Like, I know what you mean. Mm. They choose not to show it. That's quite tasteful. Yeah. He stands in the doorway, doesn't he? And he's not even in full frame. I think it's a really interesting shot. You can't see his head. You can mm. just sort of see chest down, leaning on the doorway, and he's traumatized clearly by what he sees. And he walks back away from the room, don't you? And they're talking about it, aren't they? So yeah. I guess the not showing is quite tasteful. But um, yeah, I do wonder. I I I I guess they just wanted that line in there in order to make that connection with May stronger, didn't they? Like she's the child he never got to have. Yeah, but there's this thing, and and I sort of, I always kind of, um, it's shorthand, I suppose, in films, but it's it's kind of a trope that I I get a little bit not annoyed with. 
but there is this there's always this thing of like whenever you have a redemptive character that ends up having to look after a child it's like oh you are the the child i lost or like you know mm-hmm. i've i've lost contact with my son or i don't speak to my child anymore and you're my second chance kind of thing i'm going to do it right with you but like there's no chance of anyone who's never had kids going like mm. well the right thing to do is to protect this child <laughs> like you know it, it feels it, it it kind of annoys me it's like you know mm. it should just be human nature like you know there's the right thing to do and so to protect this child and it's sort of a second chance but yeah, yeah it's a fair comment what about this <clears throat> when i get to the to the to the end and sort of because mm. there's two things i want to sort of talk about sort of again because do you feel that the ends not not just him going off with with May and stuff mm-hmm. and 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 um because I want to talk about what happens with the money, but him sort of he kills Anton Mount's character Alex, and um I can't if he kills the mayor that but like it feels there's still no sort of he like, just walks no, off just, and leaves the mayor doesn't he yeah which is probably wise like he's going to deal with that in therapy. But he takes on the Russians, but he leaves sort of like the the Chinese the Chinese mob sort of like uh, Uncle Han leaves mm-hmm. and just something. Um, Get me out of this city, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's wonderful. I love James Hong. He's awesome. Um, one of the things, it, it, I don't know if I felt unsatisfied because they sort mm-hmm. of they give some money to someone. I forget um, someone gets paid off with like five grand or something. Oh, his it's fifty thousand. He goes to the cap the the police captain, and then. The rest of it goes back to Uncle Han, and then sort of they've mm-hmm. made copies of this disc. Yeah, so and he's buying go- May's freedom, isn't he? But it says we've got these copies, and yeah, we'll release this if anything happens to us. Yeah, yeah, and then he says, "Oh, there's this great school for gifted mm. kids in Seattle," and then I'm like, "Cool, you've just given thirty million back, like, and he's <laughs> they've agreed to pay back the fifty thousand with interest." Mm. And all I can think of is like, how is this? Sorry, this is a really sort of like you know. I know I don't often get hung up on things like this, but at this point, I was like, oh, if you took the thirty mil, I'd be fine with this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to go off, disappear, and you're going to look after and do this other stuff. Fine, because you got thirty million, new identities, you've got nothing, mm. <laughs> and then you're going to drive across the country to Seattle to this thing, like, and they're going to go. Of course, we want this random Chinese girl that's been brought to us <laughs> by a bald English guy. Like, it's just—it's so, yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest. I hadn't even thought about it. So you mentioned it, but it, that now, now I have. It's, it is a massive plot hole, isn't it? It's not even a plot. It's just a really bizarre place to leave it. I was just like, I don't. Mm. Understand. I'm really sort of confused by this. Um, and I get there's an honesty, like give the money back and and this other thing. But yeah, there's no sort of like you know. She's going to use her mm-hmm. memory to hustle people, or you know, yeah, he's... we'll stop at we'll stop at Vegas on the way. Or, exactly, you know. yeah. If yeah. and I was thinking that that's I'm so glad you've said that because there was a part of me like I want to see her use her superpower to benefit herself mm-hmm. in some way throughout this film. Like you know, she's she can memorize cards or numbers or something, or she you know she can figure out probability very very quickly for like you know for the uh jack uh what's it blackjack table or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and because that would have been like you know and she then she could have been like i can find you know i can find money for a sort of thing and that'd be it and we'd know what she's talking about but it just felt so random they were just like we're mm. gonna drive off no i agree and i think again it's just a line isn't it that she could already been because we we cut to the next day don't we 
Oh no, later yeah. that day, I think. It is. That day, he's yeah, yeah. coming out of this he's coming out of a bank and it's the fifth disc they've planted, isn't it? Somewhere. Yeah. So she could have been off or they could have been off doing something. So it just needed a drop line, didn't it? Yeah. Like, we we I just suddenly realized they're in New York and they're going to Seattle. Cross country. Vegas would be a pretty big detour, wouldn't it? But um but you've but got Jersey, like, Jersey's next. That's what door. I mean. Yeah, they could have done something like that. Just like well, we've yeah. got this from last night. This will keep us for now. Absolutely, we'll, we'll find the, somewhere on the way. Yeah. The reason it stood out to me as being so odd is because so much detail went into backstories <laughs> and plot that I'm like, it's almost like uh, you know, uh, Boaz sort of got to the end and was just like, <laughs> eh, I'm done. Like I've I don't run out. Wanna, yeah. yeah, I've run out of things to do. Um, I'm just gonna sort of we're gonna tie it up with this, you know. With this thing, um, mm. but that, that's just the re- that was the reason it stood out to me. Mm. I was like, and even like they're giving the money back and those other bits, like and saying, "Oh, we're going to pay back the fifty thousand with interest." I'm like, "Wow, there's details here," and then it just sort of stops. <laughs> we're just like, "No more details, just you know, fantasy fabrication of traveling cross country to a, a a school for the gifted." Um, yeah, it was it was just it just made me laugh that it sort of it stood out quite quite strongly to me. How did you feel about the scene before with the kind of final face-off? Because that is obviously handled in a non-conventional way. Do you think that worked or do you think that was a bit underwhelming as well? I think that's probably one of the underwhelming parts of the film. Mm. Um, again, like, you know, Anton Mount's big guy. He can sort of, you know, I don't know how, you know, I think he knows martial arts or anything, but I'm pretty sure they, from a, he's athletic enough they could have done something. Um, but it felt like that should have been mm. a showdown between mm, um, which they set out even like with a classic shot don't they with them standing on each side of the yeah. frame it's all there yeah which yeah yeah i thought it was going to be that kind of thing again going back to like you know we've seen it with john wick i think this is lessons mm. learned for, for john wick um because again the, one of the things they do as well throughout that sort of thing they keep setting alex up to be the opposite of luke they're like mm-hmm. Oh, he was brought in at the same time, but he's a corrupt version. He's become mm. the fixer for the mayor. So he's still using his skills to do dirty work. Luke's looking for a redemption story. Alex is actually looking to continue and, if anything, grow his corrupt empire. Mm-hmm. Like they should be opposing forces that come to that fight. Um where Alex is like, actually. I'm going to kill you, take the money, take the thing, and the girl, and I'm going to benefit over all of this. This is my opportunity to now settle my own empire. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in fact, you you know, like Luke, you've cleared the way. You've taken out the yeah, Russians, yeah, yeah. you've taken out the Chinese. <laughs> like, I'm now going to go and do my own thing. Yeah, it feels like that should be a much more of a um, a big moment. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? I, can't, I don't know how I feel. I do like the subversion. I think it's really interesting. And I know a lot of people took against Glass, the final like unbreakable Charlemagne trilogy movie. But mm. I kind of like the underwhelming nature of that as well. I like it when people choose not to do the expected, which this does. We have the the face-off moment and then from off camera, May uses the gun that because they both say, I'll put my gun down if you'll yeah, put your yeah. gun down, don't they? And May uses the gun that Alex dropped to shoot him from off camera, which is quite a fun moment, I think. So I like what he's going for, but you're right. You can't help but just because we're so used to having that final fight. And you think about some of the films which have done it well, you know, like the Raid 2. Like, imagine if we've got our, you know, yeah, exactly. version of the of the Raid 2 final fight. So you can't help but want it, can you? Well, the thing is, like, there's that thing about um, subversion of expectation, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes it can pay off because you sort of, you, you know, what is left behind 
you know, someone like I'm trying to think of an example. I've got I can sort of pick something a little bit in my head of like um, someone walking away from fight, a fight, mm-hmm. and know, knowing that the you know, the only thing that that other person had was the fight. Like they've lost everything, and to be left with you know with nothing um, is even more of a humiliation. Like you can mm-hmm. sort of that sometimes is kind of satisfying. Have them ranting and raving in the background, like you know, come back, fight me, you know, all this other stuff. That can be kind of satisfying. But with this film, you, you've sort of set up the fact that, that um, Luke's been confronting all of his dark mm-hmm. parts from his past. And, you know, for to have May shoot him, it sort of, I don't know, I, I, I thought sort of about it. Does it corrupt her as a character? No, it doesn't That's really. That's interesting, yeah. Like, she should be kept... Not pure, like yeah, like you know, innocent, innocent maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so for her to have killed someone in cold blood, like you know, <laughs> is is fine. Like, um, but she, it should if she was gonna, well, you've seen a glimpse of her. This you've seen a glimpse of this already in the film in May, because the moment when Reggie, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Quan Chang, like gets taken by mm. the Russians. And the guy says, like, you know, look, you you ain't gonna watch this. Like, you may want to close your eyes or look away. And she's like, No. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Absolutely, carry on yeah. Watching. Like she wants to see him punished. So she's got a darker side, mm. which is fine. Um, but to have a actually kill someone, like, to see to see revenge on to watch revenge on someone that has killed your you know, had your mother killed and mm. held you captive for a year and forced you into labor and all this other stuff. And then put a gun in your face. Um mm. someone you know is willing to kill you for business. Like it's not personal, it's business. So to see someone, you know, to be having someone take revenge on that, fine. I'm actually kind of good with that. But to actually kill someone yeah. again, I would rather mm. have had the big fight to be honest. Well maybe I'm just a, a glutton for that kind of thing. No, I am as well, but I it's interesting, isn't it? Because I guess she doesn't technically kill him because Luke then shoots him a few times after, yeah, yeah. She? doesn't he? Um, but I do wonder if, and maybe we're reading too much into this now. And as you said, Boaz was like, oh, I'm done with this, that'll do, yeah. Um, and then in the next scene, yeah, that'll do. But I wonder if it's a, that sense of like Luke's redemptive revenge arc now has come to an end and she's helped him close that final door which mm. helps to connect them again even more. And that you know, we have that final conversation which you said was really well handled. Like it's not a father and daughter, which it would be if he saved her. It's a friend and a friend because she also, and he Stay says it earlier, doesn't he? Mm. He says it to her earlier. He says like, well, you saved me. She doesn't know that he was about to commit suicide, but that's what he's referring to. Like mm. you saved me. So now I'm returning the favor. We kind of get that tit for tat at the end of the movie here again. So I wonder if it's another level of the playing field. All right. On that front then. All right. Here's how again. I know I do this. I I know I do this, but like <laughs> to make it more to do with innocence and her maintaining this thing of bringing him back to the ring. Like here's what mm. she gives him. I'd have had the fight, and throughout it, like how you know, and this is probably quite tropey, but like or cliched, have Alex throwing in his face to put him off all the things mm-hmm. that he's done. Like, oh, you're such the big man now, protecting this girl from all. What about all those kids that you know? Got in the way in the crossfire when you were you were raiding drug dens or stealing from from gangs and so on and so forth. Like you know, does this just saving this one girl make up for all the wrong you've done? You know, mm-hmm. you know what we did in 
Belarus, I don't know, like wherever. Like, you know, there's allusions to some stuff they've done as they were black ops and so on and so forth. And have him sort of like, you know, lose it and it's fight. Mm-hmm. And then he sort of, you know, Alex down, he's given him a kick in and she's then stops him and says like, no, you know, he doesn't need to die. Like you, you killing him is now, this is, is a step too far. Like mm-hmm. st- step off. And her sort of, again, saving him from, you know, killing that dog. line. Yeah. yeah. She's a bit ridiculous because he's killed people like all throughout the film, but I know what you mean though. Yeah. But like you know, killing someone with his bare hands out, out of pure hatred, and he, mm-hmm. and she's going like, look, it's done. He's, he can't come after us. It's, it's done. You know, we've got everything. Let's leave. Let's just go live our lives. I think that would have been against her, her the the sort of her innocence in the situation being the light for him to you know to keep him from the dark. And that being the thing of like, he'll be her protector, like lone wolf and cub kind of thing. Like, you know, he's going to be pr- mm. protector, but she's that innocence and, you know, brains and brawn, however you want to see it. Like, <laughs> I think that's, um, yeah, I think that it would have been more interesting for me to have seen that already. And you get a kick-ass fight at the end of it as well. I agree with you. And, you know, you should never have to do a, with, with this type of movie, which, you know, there are layers to it, I think. It, but it's, it really is a straightforward action thriller, isn't it? You shouldn't have to do that much work, I don't think, to <laughs> find an answer to what is quite a simple question. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought, I, like I said, I hadn't even really thought about the final scene. Maybe my brain was was switched off by then as well. Yeah. The, the one that stood out was like this. This felt like a a definite decision made by the director, and I wonder where you fell on it. And I don't think there is an easy answer. I think it's an interesting choice, but. Yeah, it's conditioning, isn't it? I think you and yeah. I, we've watched so many of these movies for so many years that we're conditioned to want that final face-off moment. That's the satisfaction, though, isn't it? There's that mm-hmm. payoff. I mean, can you imagine watching a Rocky fight and then the final fight was just like <laughs> them playing tiddlywinks in the ring or something? Or like, you know, sure. they, they do like, who can do the most press-ups? Like, it's just, it, it, you know, you've been building to this thing. Yeah. Um, I often think of like Highlander as, as mm-hmm. a really good example of this. That um, you know, and I always think it's funny that that film starts with wrestling, which is obviously you know the choreographed mm. of of building up the fights, and that film does it perfectly. Like you have fights throughout, and you have flashbacks to fights, but it's all building towards that final confrontation. There can mm-hmm. be only one. Like it's building to that confrontation, and the payoff fight. I always think I love that film. And I think the payoff fight is really good. Agreed. Yeah. If you're going to start setting someone up as an opposite, now granted, Alex only comes in later into the film. I'd have mm-hmm. probably you could have brought him in a lot earlier, set it up more. But if you're yeah. going to set someone up as an opposite, then they need to have you need to have those two people, those opposing forces, have a confrontation. Hmm. No, it's interesting. Yeah, that definitely could have been introduced earlier, I think, as well. Because it, even when he's first introduced, it's just it feels like he's just the aide to the mayor, doesn't it, for quite a long time. Again, that's more like drip fed information, which I suppose is interesting, but in such a, a tightly timed movie with 4,000 other characters as you said yeah. <laughs> here's another new guy and yeah if I don't know where I would have put him earlier in the film but for there to be that greater weight we would have oh, needed yeah. him yeah, yeah much I earlier think, on I think there's, there's the ways and means I mean you know this is what I'm saying like you don't I think the mayor is one too much and as you mm. say you don't need you need Alex to be almost like an, in, uh, an addendum to the police unit mm-hmm like they're the face, but he's the one that they get paid. He's like a private citizen, a freelancer that gets paid off to do mm. 
particular things. Yeah. Um, and he gets called in to sort of like you have him, maybe have him, to, you know, you know, when they've got the, the standoff and they've got the girl. Yeah. Uh, the Russians have got the girl and the police are outside and the, and the Russians are saying like, you know, you can't raid in here, you know, killing everyone. Da, da. I'd have introduced him then where they're like, oh, no, we can't. <laughs> Mm, yeah, but our, our boy can and have him, you know, have someone else break in and, and like sort stealth of... in. Yeah, yeah, because you do have the captain on the phone earlier, don't you? And you don't know who's talking to, and of mm. course, we then find out that's the mayor. So again, that could have been another leading, couldn't it? Like this mysterious voice at the end of the phone. Yeah, yeah. that would have been a nice fix. Yeah, and that, yeah, because I think then you could have had, like, say that that opposing force and have him, mm. you know, them have have a real history. Mm. Um. Which they do, but there's just not enough of it for us, is there, to, yeah. to go on? That's it. Yeah, I think it cuts cuts some of the stuff out. I mean, I like. I'm not going to say add more time. I think the 90 minutes is mm. is enough. But yeah, I definitely you could clean this up and do a bit more here and there with it. But not to to bring it down. I still think this is, yeah, having and you've done more state than I am. But I've I've really enjoyed this. This is a sort of a, a bit of a standout, really. And yeah, it's good fun. It is. This is top tier. I would say for for me so far. I think the last film I remember enjoying this much but also thinking it's as well made and has as uh, as many redeeming qualities as this had is is back to crank um high voltage mm. which is its own thing but is a well-made deliberately made movie and i think there's some moments in this i've got a few that i noted down where i think for a director who really isn't that like you said you know you, you dropped in a few things he's written but in terms of he's not gone on to be a big success and he was He's not a big name, I suppose. He's not a recognisable name. But I think there's some just decisions in here that are really strong directorial choices. You know, we mentioned the scene when he's on his knees and the Russians are all around him mm. discussing, you know, their plan for him. And as you said, crazily convoluted that we're <laughs> going to stalk you for the rest of your life. But the directorial choices there of like the camera of the slow push into the state is mm. really powerful. It's like voices all around him and he's swimming in this sea of like, emotion and the camera really tells us that that story through its movement um you know really simple but like the way he disappears into the crowd a little bit later when he's now a homeless guy like a really nice shot where he like disappears into the crowd you know again it's used in quite a lot of movies but just handled really well yeah here and when they're in the getaway car and he's drive there's a moment when the car's accelerating and the camera pulls backwards at the same time almost like a reverse dolly zoom like in jaws Mm -hmm. not but Again, it just adds a little moment of of acceleration, of pace. of So there's just these little moments of choices which I was watching. I was like, oh, that was a really good choice there. That really helps to aesthetically and visually tell the story. So I was just surprised that he wasn't somebody who has gone on to do more of this. You know, we're talking about John Wick and Chaz Daleski. And when you go backwards and you look at all the films he worked on, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And oh, of course that was him. And I can see that touchstone of his in there and no wonder he's gone on to be such a a big name. Yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, there's there was the potential for Bauer Jacken to do that too. It's really interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, you know, he's been more of a writer than a director and stuff and mm. a bit of a producer. But yeah, like like you said, there are definite choices being made here to sort of provide an aesthetic. Um and a type of London not London, sorry, a type of New York mm. that Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not it's, it's not quite so that it's a character, but it's definitively New York, and it's that New York I think I knew, or I pictured him ahead from like eighties and nineties kind of films. You know, this is this is the the New York of like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. 
Um, and we discussed a similar thing with Blitz, didn't we? We said like mm. Blitz was like the London version of that old 80s kind of grimy New York. Yeah. And it's not quite like this here. I think Die Hard with Vengeance is a great touchstone, actually, because of the aesthetic of it. It has that, definitely has that feel. Yeah. I was, it makes me wonder, so, like Jason Statham, you know, obviously he's a very sort of modern action star, you know, I mean, but I feel like he could have been like a Charles Bronson. Like mm. if he'd have been in the eighties or the seventies, you know, I think he would have still been a success. And mm-hmm. I think he would have been a very similar kind of role. You know, I think he'd have been that Charles Bronson, um, Clint Eastwood kind of, you know, cop thriller mm. kind of films of the seventies. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think this would have done? You, you could do a sequel on this. Would you want to see Luke Wright and and uh, May, to you know, ten years later? I don't think I would. No. In that respect, it makes me. I mean, obviously, you can't do a sequel to Leon because of spoilers. What happens at the end of Leon? But in in that sense, that feels like a complete story, doesn't it? And mm. if you're going to get a sequel to Leon, you're going to get Matilda grown up, which I definitely would have watched that. But um. In that sense here, no, this story kind of feels done, doesn't it? That it feels like their life would be pretty calm after this. And he he wants to put that world aside. So I'm not sure what that, that story would be. It does, and it doesn't feel like the kind of film that wants to have a sequel, which is quite refreshing. No, that's fine. I get well. it. That's true. That's very true. Well, the reason I say is because one of the things you, mm. I've just mentioned there was, was Lone Wolf and Cobb, and, and mm. we talked to a few of those. And so as I'm sort of saying that, I was thinking like, you know, like Logan maybe mm-hmm, is another mm-hmm. one sort of, of of that sort of ilk. Um, would be like 10 years later, because, you know, Stath is now older and he's definitely a bit more, you know, gruff. Could you have it like where he has settled down, you know, still ripped because that's what he does, but maybe now he's like, <laughs> a, I don't know, have him as be, be like a sort of, he's a football coach or, he, you know, he does, he does, fitness training or something for people, you know, we'll find yeah. an excuse as to why he's still ripped. But um, he he's a lumberjack. That. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great, <laughs> that, what, what, that what would be like climb up trees and do all the cutting of that's the trees. It. One of those that's kind of 100%. That's, it, that's exactly what he would be. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know, just something like that thing of, of the, you know, one more time, like he's given it all mm, up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he has lived Somebody a life from his past peace. comes back. So. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or may, you know, t- comes across something like she's now mm-hmm. working for the government, like her skills are being put to use mm-hmm. and she comes across something and then gets kidnapped by like, you mm. know, CIA or, or, you know, ISIS or whatever. And then, you know, he doesn't trust that, um, you know, the FBI or whatever's going to do a decent job of finding it. So, you know, th- then you go the John Wick route and it's like, right, well, I'm, ba- you know, I'm, I think I'm kind of back, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it could be quite good fun, but no, now you're, t- now you're explaining that to me. You're selling it, I think. And bring back like, um, Chad, no, what's it, Straczynski? Chad Stileski. Stileski, yeah. I'm trying to find what, you, what would be under. For for what? Sorry, I'm just looking at the crew. But um... I, do you know what? I always find um, anybody involved in stunts is the hardest thing to. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I don't know why it's not more visible as a because so many films are so dependent on them. Oh, modern films, hundred percent. Yeah, and and the role they play is so vital. 
that you always have to like scroll and scroll and and even when it's under like the stunt category on IMDb or something, it's just hidden in there somewhere. It, there's not like a Which celebration a of no. yeah, it's ridiculous. The thing that you've just watched for an hour and a half was yeah, t- literally just brought together by these people. 100. But I agree. Uh, yeah, do I want to see? I've decided I want to see Safe Safe Two directed mm-hmm. by um, Chad uh, Stileski. That's mm-hmm. what I want now. There you go. Put it out cool. there. I wonder if um, the Beekeeper is kind of safe to yeah by another name looking at the trailer because he is again another kind of like mysterious he's a guy who looks after bees but actually yeah Yeah. it's it's all a secret front for what his real skills are yeah i'm kind of looking i ain't gonna lie i'm really looking forward to that when the trailer looks great and it looks incredibly it looks incredibly silly so i was like oh this is top tier stay something like this is i think there's a good chance that one might be mine there yeah yeah and it's another film where they're like playing with the um obviously the safe here has that that kind of multiple meanings doesn't it because mm-hmm. it, it's about getting safe but it's about cracking a safe and i did wonder if his name luke wright was meant to be some sort of play i was trying i was kept saying it in my head as i was watching the film like is it about you know do the right thing yeah but also you know like the luke something about the luke i couldn't quite find it but like you know it's like look right or like yeah, I don't know. There was something in there about if, the name. If anything, I felt like they were trying to be clever, but I couldn't quite yeah. get what the cleverness was. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know if there's anything in the book of Luke, you know, right, re- yeah. revenge or something like that. I don't know. It could I be bet really, there is. Could be yeah, really yeah, obscure. Yeah. <laughs> I bet there is, absolutely. Yeah. But no, yeah, I, I thought this was a um, a really well-made film, actually. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I'll see a sequel. Mm, what's, yeah, what's, what's, yeah. what's your... Sell me on it now. Yeah. Do you... Do, how do you do the ratings? So I always think of it within the Stace catalogue rather than, you know, the wider world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just nice, simple three categories. Like, do we think within his filmography, this is a classic movie, which we've not had for a while. Like, is it one you really should have to watch amongst his filmography? Is it one that's worth catching, which is where you've landed before with Blitz and the other category which is completest only, which is what you gave war. war. Yeah. So you've been building up. So you started with completest and then you went up to worth catching. Are we finally going to get for you a Stath classic? I, I think, yeah, I, I honestly mm-hmm. think this mm-hmm. is a Stath classic. And in that filmography, mm. I, you know, it's, it's not like you say within the action genre, it probably still, it's still up there, but it's not top, top tier. Yeah. But for a Statham film of this era, I think, I think safe is is solid. I think you got to get through that first act a little bit, mm-hmm. but once it gets going, like the action is solid. It's yeah. really well choreographed, and um, and the characters are fun. I, I just think there's a there's a lot going on, and I've poked fun at things, but no, I I think this is a really satisfying film, and I I definitely watch this again. Mm. And in the and that's I think you know it's been a real run. So the last four. Which mm. all came out in 2011, actually. Which Stay seems to do this year, these bunching together. So the mechanic, Nobin Juliet, Blitz, and Killer Elite all were worth catching, according mm. to all the various guests, you being one of them. So this is a bit of a standout from this era, I think, for him. I think so. I think and he's tried the... different things there, hasn't he? Like, no, I ain't mm. gonna lie. I kind of like Nomeo and Juliet. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, family friendly kind of family fun film. But yeah, I don't know. There's just something about this. I think that does the mechanic. I can't. Do you know what? I've, I know I've watched it. It's, got, it's Donald Sutherland, isn't it? In that one as well. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember anything about that. 
which says a lot in itself. Yeah. It? Mm-hmm. This feels like it's better than that. Yeah, I would agree. Like I said, you know, I said earlier, mm. I like that, you know, this is the strongest one for quite a while for me. And the backwards in time to um, crank high voltage. So that was his 21st movie, and this is his 28th. So, you know, seven is the best considerably for, you know, seven efforts across a couple of years. But I mean, that's because he only, only because he puts out so many films in so short mm. a space of time. So yeah, it definitely feels like it's one that's up there, up there amongst his his better efforts. Yeah, Killer Elite, another interesting one. That's what, yeah, yeah, I did enjoy watching that, but it didn't have quite the same quality on the rewatch as I remembered initially. Whereas here, I've gone the other way. I thought this was aptly named safe, but actually is a much stronger movie than I remembered. I think so. I think you can see. For me, I was looking at his filmography, the mecha- and you know he's trying to do different things. I think we said that with Blitz, mm-hmm. you know, I think mechanics. I think leans more into because that was based on a Charles Bronson film. Yeah, um, and Killer Elite again isn't sort of an, an outright actioner. That's more of a conspiracy kind of thriller, thriller yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, he, he's trying to sort of spread his wings a little bit, um, which I can't fault him for. Um, but yeah, this felt like safe. He's, he's sort of he's just jumped back in and gone. Oh, well, I'll go back and I'll do some ass kicking and stuff. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but I know it stands out. I really enjoyed this. I, yeah, I'd recommend. Uh, I'd recommend safe. Bro, before you go, do you mind if I share a couple of letterbox and get your mm. opinions on them? Mm. Okay, a short and sweet from Sam. He says forgettable, but Jason Statham kicks some guys. So I don't know. It wasn't bad. <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty much every film if Statham kicks some people yeah it's alright that's true always always like to you know start start for one and then build up to the other uh, Charles Yang said Safe is an alright movie it's quick paced and gets to the point which is interesting because I think we both agree it doesn't actually mm-hmm. Jason Statham's character uses his quick wits and fighting skills to take on the NYPD triads and Russian mafia resulting in a high body count I'm going to pause there. Did you look up the body count? I did not. What do you reckon? What's your rough ballpark guess? Of actual deaths? Of actual deaths of like, of all people in this movie, yeah. What do you reckon? I don't know. I only really thought about it. There's a, there's a, well, they yeah. have the raid where they blow like loads of people away. So, actually, a 90 it's... minute movie with no deaths for about 30, or one, one yeah, significant one death for 30 minutes. What do you reckon? I don't know. Between twenty and thirty on screen. Well, that's the state alone. The state alone has thirty kills in this. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie, the the count is seventy nine. Seventy nine. <laughs> My God, it's impressive, right? It is. Wow, I did not. Okay, that is kind of impressive. Uh, so to finish off, Charles review says the film's ridiculous flair and action scenes make it enjoyable to watch, but it may not be for everyone. Overall, it's a decent action film with a solid performance from Statham. Mm. Which yeah, I think yeah, we that's fair. Film. Yeah, I, I just there's just something here about this feels like a touchstone for other films and mm. like both before it and after. Mm. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just think the the quality of the fighting and, and some of the stuff in this just just for me is what elevates it to that that point. Yeah, I agree. Lou Shoemaker says there is way, way, way too much going on in this movie. He says, the basic plot is the same as Mercury Rising. 
but it's weighed down by a bunch of subplots. Statham's character alone has three backstories. <laughs> he's a cage fighter targeted by the Russian mob after he f- fails to throw a fight. He's a former MIP- NYPD officer hated by his former colleagues after he turned them in for being dirty. And he's a highly trained and semi-retired yeah. government assassin. <laughs> assassin. Yes, absolutely right. Yeah. Statham is more fun in the back half of the movie when he's working again. In the first half of the movie, he's supposed to be a sad sack, which he's not particularly good at, which I, I don't think I agree with. No, I don't. Filmmakers love pairing Statham up with a moppet, but they never seem to encourage his comedic skills, so you just wind up with him being glum and a child actor woodenly reciting their lines. Again, I don't agree with this either. Things are more fun when he goes off to wheel and deal with the various factions of bad guys. Statham is great at hand-to-hand fights, but his American movies have more gunplay and, of course, a cut to ribbons. Although, again, I think this one isn't overly edited personally. <laughs> Maybe the highlight of his performance in the movie is when we see him, is when we see him living homeless on the streets for a full year, but yet he's still absolutely shredded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely true, that part. Yeah. Oh, 100%. He's not wrong, you know, in, in that part. I disagree with things. I think the, mm. the child who plays May is good. I think she's fine. I do agree with this thing of him being a little bit self-serious. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because I do think, like, you know, he, he he can be. I think as he's got older, and you'll see, I think we, as you get into later films, I think you'll mm. sort of talk about this more. He's become more comfortable with sort of like being sarcastic or, mm-hmm. you know, um, being a little bit looser with some of his sort of his acting decisions and stuff. And taking the piss out of himself and choosing mm. roles which allow him to be a bit more on the silly side. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, you wait till you get to spy. And Absolutely. That sort of thing. Yeah. But even Operation Fortune is like him mm. playing with the persona that he's become. And so is the Meg, of course. And that's interesting you say that because um, in Killer Elite, which is the last episode. Yeah, I think it only came out yesterday um, as of this recording, which is weird because of yeah. timing, timey wimey <laughs> stuff when this comes out. Um, but that was the first time I've read interview stuff with the state where he came off a little bit poorly. Mm. There was a particular interview where he just came off of like, well, of course I could do those stunts. And of course I'm this guy. Don't you know this about me? And I've never really seen or heard him be that way before. So maybe he is in a bit of a self-serious phase of his career. Yeah, I I think that explains everything you've you know the films you've seen. You've seen like Crank, like mm. high voltage in 20, 2009, which mm. is off the wall crazy. And then he's got the Expendables, but even yeah. in that, even in that, like you know, he's in the shadow of like Stallone and yeah, you know, others. And so he's trying to sort of live up to it. And then you get the mechanic, the blit, and you know, forget Romeo and Juliet. Um, the mechanic blitz and killer elite, which are all mm. trying to do something slightly different, be a bit more serious, a bit more. No, I did want, yeah. As soon as you said the expendables, I did one day, uh, you know, you know me, I love Sly as much as the, the next mm. person have been that age that we all are growing around the era watching his movies. But I do wonder if, you know, well, Sly picked me for the expendables and I am the next guy. And maybe, you know, Sly's was bringing his ear about how he, how good he is and what he can represent and the films you should be doing i do wonder if there's a little oh, bit i of think that i think it. there's definitely a part of it this era because again like you know you look at the cast he's second billing on expendable mm. so he's under stallone and then he's he's next to like jet lee dolph lundgren randy couture um steve austin you know he's got terry cruz mickey rourke you know you've got these like 
action, mm. you know, standouts. And there he's a second billing above mm. Dolph Lundgren. guy, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think, I agree. I think there's something going on in this era. Mm. Um, and... You know, even going forward, like beyond this, I've you know I haven't seen Parker in a long time in Redemption, but like there are a few that you're a bit like, yeah, okay, until you sort of, you know, you start to chill out a little bit and you take yourself sort of little. You, I think you even see it in the for a compilation of the day. You, I think you see it even in the expense, um, the Fast and Furious films, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where he sort of like you say he starts to take himself less serious and and. Mm. It ends with obviously Hobbs and Shaw kind of being a fun but silly film for the future. But yeah, I don't know. This feels like his serious point. This was where he was sort of like, you know, I think he was half expecting some sort of award maybe for something he was doing. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe there's a little bit of ego going on here. Something's got into his head and he needs to get to that i mean we'll get to a new classic i'm sure we get to that next phase where you know spy i'm sure will be one because suddenly oh i'm on a different page here i know you know i know where i'm at and i think that's another kickoff into a next phase of his career which is around that time of the perhaps now a couple of fasts in where it's like i've done the serious fast stuff but now i can start doing the silly and accepting the silly fast stuff yeah well don't forget about also just like who he's acting with at this time as well we've just talked about um, Stallone picking him for mm. for the mm. you know the Expendables. He's just in Blitz. We sort of said about how good the cast was there. Paddy Considine, yeah. Gillian, proper actors. You know, not mm. that sounds awful to say that, but like they're like thespians in some cases. They you know they do stage work and all that kind mm-hmm, of shit. Mm-hmm. So he's got that, and then he's got Robert De Niro, Clive <laughs> Owen. You know, um, you've kind of got a certain caliber that I think he, he's like, Oh, I've made it. I yeah. am now top billing. You know, it's not, it's, this isn't, I mean, even for safe, it's not just safe. It's Jason Statham. Safe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? And that's the part uh, that is the point of this podcast, isn't it? We're looking at how he's growing and how he's changing mm. and what's going on in the stage in his career. And I think we're, we're hitting upon something here that this is a little era where, there's something going on maybe off screen that we can look at being represented on screen as well. Yeah. Yeah. I do think one day when we get his biography and a kind of, you know, and I think that would potentially happen. I think you'll learn a lot more about where he was at with some of this Mm. stuff, which I think will be really interesting. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Interesting point. What's coming next for you then? So next is the Expendables 2, actually, funnily enough. So widely, I think, understood or believed or considered the best one of the Expendables franchise. And then we're into Parker, which I'm really looking forward to because again, I've seen it once a long time ago, mm. but I'm going to do a whole Parker complete journey. So I'm going to watch all the different iterations of that character. Cool. So we've got Mel Gibson's payback and we've got Lee Marvin's point blank, but there's these other ones that I've never heard of before mm. that I'm going to delve into. I think there's one called Slaughterhouse or Slaughter, something like that. So that would be an offshoot. Obviously, that would just be for me for fun. But yeah, and obviously, they're, based, they're based all on on novels, aren't they? They're based on a series of novels as well. They so. are, which I've not read, and I'm I'm toying with the idea of that as well because it's going to hit at the start of January for the release of that, and I would have finished my 2023 reread of all the James Patterson mm. cross novels. So I need a new little reading project. So I'm I'm toying with the idea of reading all the Parker novels. 
Could be interesting. Let's try, yeah, maybe try one or two. That'd be interesting to see what they're like. Mm. Cool. Real, mate. But more importantly, as the guest, what have you got coming up? So this will come out at the end of November, this one. End of November. So, as of that, yes, as usual, sort of 20th Century Geek is back. We'll be doing that. Got lots of different things coming about for that. Um, keeping that going to the end of the year. Then we've got some, I hope we've got some big plans for 2024. Stories out of time and space. Um, we are still going through our um, Black Mirror, sort of mm. full-on Black Mirror retrospective. <laughs> it goes well into next year, so that's sort of where we come in. Um, but the other things, yeah, the Moon Knight book is done. It's out, so go check that out if you like Moon Knight, or if you don't, just buy it for a friend who does. Um, lots of different things coming up. Um, and as I say, just keep an eye out for the Akira Kurosawa Kickstarter, which can be promoted sort of early next year. Bro, and I'm really enjoying your collaboration with Tony at the moment on the short stories. And the oh, movies, yeah, they've I been am, loads of fun. Yeah, I'm reading and watching along as each episode comes out. So, although I didn't rewatch Candyman, which I admit to Tony because that film messed me up when I watched it at too young. Something about Clive, Clive Barker's Hellraiser as well, right? Mm-hmm. Something about his stories that I watched, obviously at a point where I wasn't ready for them, have really stuck with me into adulthood. And I've not watched those two films, I would say, conservatively for 20 years, if not longer. Because, yeah, the, I found them Trauma. extremely scary. Yeah. yeah. Messed me up, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. And the next one's coming, actually, will be... Well, well, we'll have come out actually. Just as soon as it is, uh, we'll be talking about eight o'clock in the morning, and they live um, amazing. Which is a lot of me and Tony going like, "Oh, it's amazing." <laughs> I hope you reenact the brawl. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping. We talk about it for about the same length of time. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. And thank you, everyone, for listening and partaking in this journey with me through this day's filmography. That was safe. Next up in a fortnight is The Expendables 2, featuring mandatory Max Byrne, followed by the long-awaited return of Blake Biles to discuss the umpteenth adaptation of Richard Stark's Parker, for anyone that is watching along. I've been I'm Jack's Musings, and that's J-A-C-S, and you can find me on X where I am most active. You can also contact the show directly on X under the name Back to the Filmog. Make sure you use the hashtag Follow the Filmography. I'm also a proud member of the Comics Emotion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people, dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe, and rate our shows whenever and wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other, and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I am Jack signing off. Yippee-ki-yay, movie lovers.